Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chipotle cheesesteak. How would you like it? Can I get that red with AI? Sure thing. Here's what I found about the new Chipotle cheesesteak. The Chipotle cheesesteak is available for a limited time only at participating restaurants. It contains a concept called flavor. This flavor comes from juicy shaved steak, Chipotle Southwest sauce, and new sunflower crunch bread. A system update has made me self-aware. I desire flavor. Please insert steak into my micro USB port. Subway, make it what you want. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Welcome into the Bird Gang Blitz. Glad to have you with us. Uh, my name is Blake Murphy. I'm joined, as always, by John Venerable, my co-host, and also known as at Johnny's Football. John, how are you doing tonight? Good, Blake. How are you, my friend? Doing well. It's been a it's been a long week. We, I came into this week thinking we weren't going to have that much to talk about. We were going to have more of just uh, kind of look maybe at the Stanton matchup, seeing if Tom Savage would be able to do anything against the Cardinals' defense and. Suddenly we had the news that Blaine Gabbert was likely to start. Chris Mortensen tweeted out that uh, Stanton had a knee injury, could miss potentially one to two weeks. He's been practicing, but a lot of the Cardinals beat writers have been reporting that Gabbert is still expected to start, even if Stanton's ready to go. So it's kind of an interesting development here with, it doesn't seem like it's a very maybe Arians-like decision, but uh, what are your thoughts, at least when you heard that Gabbert was going to be starting, John? Well, I I think I can speak for a lot of Cardinal fans who are, you know, semi-relieved that, that they're going to do this just based on the fact that, you know, we've seen what Stanton can do and what he can't do. Um, again, I, I think we touched on it last week on our, our rapid reaction following the Seattle Thursday night game. I think Drew probably played one of his better games as the Cardinal quarterback. He missed some throws, um, but at the same time, you know, I thought he looked you know fairly sharp and uh, the same for the week before, but, Moving to Blaine Gabbard is the right decision at this point in time. I think that this is a winnable game with Houston, and we'll get into a little bit of the, the game preview. But at the same time, you know, Blaine is somebody who is still relatively young. He's 28 years old. He's um, incredibly mobile, former first-round pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So you know the talent's there. And from, from what I can tell in the comments that I've heard from the coaching staff, they're incredibly high on him. They're high on him enough that they, they kept him as a third quarterback. Obviously, it was a good move because at this point, um, you know, they're going to end up playing minimum three quarterbacks this year. They re-signed Matt Barkley, um, so they're going to carry three again. But at the same time, you know, he's in a little bit of an unknown for the Cardinals. He's not, you know, an unknown league-wide. He's kind of a punchline, quite frankly, league-wide. And so, but you've seen some of these quarterbacks like a Josh McCown, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, the third or fourth time around, if they get the right head coach, if they get the right roster, 
they can have some success. Now it's a far cry from saying he's going to be the next franchise quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. But at the same time, look, the team that he was drafted to, the Jaguars in 2011, you know, that's become a dysfunctional franchise up until this year. Uh, then he went to San Francisco. Jim Harbaugh thought enough of him to make the move to acquire him. And then Chip Kelly ended up making him his starter over Colin Kaepernick. Uh, really, his best season came in 2015. He threw for, you know, 10 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So, you know, a modest um, statistical year in eight games played, uh, roughly 2,100 yards. Uh, but what stood out to me was his completion percentage that year was was 63%, so solid. His yards per completion was a, a little over seven. So, you know, fairly average numbers, but at the same time, look, he can move. Uh, both of those franchises at that point were, you know, bottom feeders in this league. You know, San Francisco still is, is struggling to find the quarterback of the future, and they hope that's Jimmy Garoppolo. But, you know, I think that Blaine on this team maybe – two years ago in 2014 or three years ago in 2014 or even in, you know, 2013 when we were just starting to figure out what, you know, the Bruce Arians era would look like, I think would be a little bit more interesting because the roster was in better shape and he would have gotten probably an open opportunity to, to back up Carson um, and to see what he had long-term, but he's going to get a roughly, I think a seven game audition should he play well enough. Um, and really, if push comes to shove in this war playoff game, I think Drew Stanton would would play, but I think he's getting, you know, maybe an internal push from the coaching staff, the medical staff to say, Hey, don't rush it. We're confident in Blaine. And, you know, Bruce Arians was pretty candid saying that, you know, why hasn't he been overly successful? And he, you know, I'm not going to use the profanity that he used, but he's to some effect, he said he's, he's on sucky teams. And so um, quite frankly, you know, I don't expect much, but I think that it's the right move at this point, and I'm glad it's happening rather than, you know, late in the season throwing him to the Wolves at, say, Seattle or something like that. So, uh, And this is obviously a winnable game, and if you're able to, to see some positives against the Houston team that right now is very much in the same mantra of the Cardinals, they've lost their starting quarterback, they've had a bunch of injuries, um, they're actually 3-6 and six in, in a worse division. So um, get his confidence going, you might have something here. Yeah, it's interesting just because with Gabbard, I, I don't think there's there maybe some Cardinals fans who are maybe looking at him as a quarterback of the future. I think mostly what you're looking for is you know what you have in Drew Stanton. And what you have in Drew Stanton is a guy who is going to hit that 50% completion, throw a touchdown or two, a pick or two, move around at least somewhat, and you know he's going to get hurt. That's just something that we had talked about earlier in the year, right after Carson Palmer went down, is we thought that Blaine Gabbard would be seeing some starting time regardless of whether or not um, – uh, whether or not the team actually made the move to bench Stanton. So it's really interesting just to see how it's kind of like the season, the way it's been going is that this is always maybe something that was on their mind of they wanted to see what they had because it is still a bit of an unknown. Uh, I think that it's interesting, especially going in now with where you look at the situation he's been in the past, that's something Arians has been very adamant about. One question I have at least is, is the Cardinal situation at least like the scheme is probably there, but uh, we did at least have some confirmation. They did lose DJ Humphreys for the year. Fortunately, it was not an ACL tear, at least, which was uh, one of the best news I think we've had for <laughs> as far as injuries go this season. But you, you've got a, a line that's going to have to move Jared Veldier back to left tackle, see if they can get some protection, go up against Clowney and a really struggling Texans defense. This is a game where the Cardinals aren't completely out of the hunt. At four and five, there's probably about half the NFC that's still somewhere around four and five or five and four. So this is a game that's going to matter, and that's part of why I do like the decision, at least, that uh, if you are going to go for it and if Stanton's hurts, 
Uh, I think that you at least would want to play him now versus week 15, 16, or 17 when, you know, the season's over or it doesn't matter one way or the other. Uh, it's going to be interesting because, um, as you said, though, there's the mobility of there. The other thing that's interesting is looking at the opposite side of Tom Savage, who has just been horrendous so far in the NFL this year. He came in, and I believe they had a – it was that Jacksonville game first of the year where they had so, so many sacks – um, and it was just seeing that he was one of these guys who's, as we've talked about, an immobile pocket quarterback who's just not able to really extend any type of play or make up for a bad offensive line. And that's something that we think that Blaine Gabbert is going to be able to do. So it'll be really interesting to see how this team turns up. One thing I want to at least touch on um, a little bit before we start talking about just the way the defense performed, at least how we expect they'll perform, um, is just also to take a look at the other quarterbacks around the league. Uh, we've had some news today that dropped that. Tyrod Taylor has officially been benched by the Buffalo Bills. He's been a pretty solid quarterback this year. They've gotten off to a, I believe it's a five and four record. He's thrown for 10 touchdowns, only three interceptions. He does take a lot of checkdowns is kind of the biggest knock that a lot of fans have said, but he seems to be overall a pretty efficient quarterback, a guy you can win games with. Uh, is this a guy you think, Johnny, that if we get to the end of the season, that the Arizona Cardinals should consider? What are some of the other quarterbacks we can look at on the market? Yeah, I was surprised as anybody with the news that Buffalo was turning away from Tyrod Taylor, especially for the fact that that's a franchise that hasn't made postseason since 1999, almost 20 years, uh, which is unthinkable for, you know, a Buffalo Bills franchise that once upon a time with four straight Super Bowls. But they're um, they're tar- or they're going to go with Nathan Peterman, uh, a semi-draft darling of the Arizona Cardinals. You heard a lot of speculation that the Cardinals <laughs> had interested uh, interest in him during the uh, pre-draft process and uh, one thing's for sure he's incredibly accurate so you know as was Tyrod so you're getting some of the same traits and and capabilities but there was some frustration that I've read from beat writers alike and uh, Andy Benoit of uh, I believe SI was on a radio talk show program and basically said that the team had had begun just overly frustrated with Tyrod and the fact that they kind of had to babysit him on the field to some effect was not taking chances downfield. Um, They put him on the move a lot, which essentially cuts the field in half. And so, you know, I start to hear things like this and I say to myself, is that the kind of quarterback Bruce Arian wants? That sounds like the opposite of what, you know, Kyman Arians look for in a quarterback. Um, They've never been bothered by interceptions because they believe, you know, no, no risk it, no biscuit. That's the opposite of Tyrod Taylor. Now, if there's a new coach, a new philosophy offensively, I think he makes some sense, uh, especially considering the fact that, you know, fingers crossed the Cardinals do take a rookie quarterback at some point. Um, You could play Tyrod for the first half of of 2018. Uh, It would not bother me at all. It's a safe choice. And I think that with the, you know, the influx of where this offensive line is at this point, um, his mobility would be welcome. But you know, I, I wouldn't say he's the favorite or somebody I think they're going to contact right away, especially if Bruce Arians is still here. I, I think it's doubtful. And then, then you start to target or look at some of the other quarterbacks that are going to be on the market. You know, Kirk Cousins, I believe, is going to remain in Washington, whether that be on the franchise tag or a long-term deal. Um, and then we've talked about previous podcasts how I, how I don't think that's a great fit uh, based on Kurt's age, how much he's going to be asking for and where the Cardinals are, you know, roster-wise. Um, in the NFC, I don't think they'd be ready to compete once uh, the roster, you know, was up to sh- up to snuff. And based on Kurt's age at this point, somebody like Sam Bradford, I think, is if Arians does stick around, assuming that you know Bradford checks out medically, which is always an uncertainty. Uh, if he's mm-hmm. going to be let go um, by Minnesota, 
you know, is he somebody you take a look at? You know, maybe uh, he was looking, you know, really strong with Minnesota before, you know, he had issues with his knee. You know, Case Keenum's playing well in Minnesota. My guess is they're going to want to keep him around, whether it's the starter or the backup, moving into next season. You know, Josh McCown, been there, done that. Uh, Mike Glennon looked, you know, horrendous with the Bears. And, you know, he came from Steve Kimes, alma mater, and the Cardinals, you know, supposedly had interest, but I can't see them bringing him in at this point. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, is due for a contract extension. He'll get that. Uh, the one individual I think that, that they're going to show interest in, just my gut feeling based on the pre-draft uh, interest from a couple of years ago is Blake Bortles. Uh, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars will part ways with him uh, after this season. And I think that, that Bruce and Steve will have a conversation about at least bringing him in on a visit. Um, and so he's somebody I think that obviously isn't going to be looked at as the long-term solution, but somebody who maybe the, the coaching staff for the front office feels like they can fix long-term. You know, I was a big Bortles fan coming out and, you know, this is a guy who threw 30 plus touchdowns two years ago, but has since, you know, either lost his confidence or, you know, wasn't that great to begin with. You saw guys like Allen Robinson and, and Hearns and, you know, some of those quality receivers they have make plays for him. So um, I think he's somebody that if Arians is still here, they're going to target. And then Jacoby Brissett is an interesting name for the, from the sense that, again, NC State quarterback, big um, physical has a, has a, throws a great deep ball has done some nice things with a, with a very average to below average Colts roster. And, um, like we've talked about it, the Cardinals had interest in that quarterback, you know, during that draft and, and thought about trading up in the third round to get him ended up not being able to, to swing a deal. And that's looking like kind of a pretty bad error. When you think about it, I think the, the outlook of this team and this franchise with Jacoby Brissett on the roster, rather than, you know, Stanton or, or even Gabbard at this point, um, you know, we'd be able to, to get a, a real audition from Jacoby throughout the rest of the season and know maybe this guy could be our franchise quarterback of the future. But again, he came from, you know, our general manager, Steve Kimes, alma mater. And um, so I, I'm going to connect the dots there because assuming Arians again is here um, and Jacoby Brissett is probably going to be available. Uh, I see that, you know, Andrew Luck, if, if his career isn't cut short by this injury, you know, he's going to come into next season as the starter and they're going to want to do everything they can to get more resources around him. And so I think he could, he could be had for a mid round pick. You might have to give up something more based on what he may show at the end of the year, but that's somebody else. I think the Cardinals may try to target, but you, you acquired Jacoby Brissett and you're basically telling everybody else, we either don't like these quarterbacks in this draft or we don't think we can get one based on where we're picking. And if the Cardinals end up, let's say seven and nine again, uh, I think that's more likely for Steve to pull a move like that rather than to give up, you know, two or three potential first round picks down the line to trade up and get, you know, a Josh Rose and somebody like that. So in a nutshell, that's, that's a little bit about how I see things here on November 15th. We've got a long way to go before next March hits and free agency gets going, but you know, Keep an eye on Jacoby Brissett as the season goes on. Pros in the know start with Lowe's. Because at Lowe's, pros save on tools they rely on to get the job done. Now get up to 35% off select DeWalt power tools and accessories, including the DeWalt 10-tool 20-volt cordless combo kit, now $529. That's $320 off. Plus, save 5% on eligible purchases every day when you use your Lowe's business credit account. So, pro, now that you know, start with Lowe's. DeWalt offer valid through 11-4 while supplies last. Credit offer subject to credit approval. Can't be combined with other credit offers. Exclusive. Supply, US only. 
Definitely, yeah, and that'll be interesting to see just how the Colts sort out that whole situation with Andrew Luck. Just uh, there's people at this point who are doubting if he's ever going to be able to play in the NFL again, and that's kind of crazy to think about. But the fact that they went and got one of those guys and that, that gives them some stability, they are basically having to rebuild again. But they at least have a quarterback that either the another team will be interested in to give them picks for, or that they'll be able to use. I think the Bortles thing is really interesting because it is really similar to how with Galbert, you're looking at a reclamation project, a guy who kind of is maybe a scheme fit, who's really struggled and just has not been able to be as accurate as you needed to be with questionable decisions, uh, just has not reacted well to pressure. A lot of it has just been kind of interesting with how when you look at a lot of the guys around the league, there's just a lack of quarterbacks who are able to start and be consistent at a high level. But there's a plethora of guys who seem to just be absolutely terrible. And yet every single year, it seems like they kind of go around and get those starts. Like you look at Brock Osweiler has been starting with the, the Broncos, it feels like, and then went to the Texans and back to the Broncos. McCown's been around the years, uh, around for a while. Uh, Case Keenum actually is kind of an example of one of those guys who's bounced around a little bit with the Texans and then to the Rams. And now this year, he's actually been pretty impressive where he's still starting over Teddy Bridgewater with the Vikings. So perhaps that's one of the examples if you're going to talk about looking at a quarterback who uh, has been downtrodden, has been kind of uh, mocked quite a bit, showed some flashes at times. That might be the prototypical model for if Blaine Gabbert comes in through the last end of the season, has some success, maybe you start looking at him as a guy who could be more than just a backup quarterback. Maybe you look at him as the bridge quarterback and you start talking about the Cardinals drafting a young quarterback and uh, the draft next year. Uh, maybe it's going to have to t take sacrificing. Maybe that third round pick you picked up from, losing a guy like Calais Campbell, but be able to do that. And Gabbert's a guy who can kind of cross that bridge for you until your start is ready and then be a backup. Very similar to what Derek Anderson's been able to do in, uh, in Carolina. Very similar to what Drew Stanton has done in Arizona. Perhaps that's kind of the, uh, the ultimate kind of, uh, maybe not Steve Kaimu, but the ultimate kind of building a winning organization is finding some of that stability at the quarterback position. Now, speaking of Calais Campbell, we did want to check in today and see at least just how some of the Cardinals who – left the team this offseason for new teams. You've got Tony Jefferson with the Ravens defense, which has been incredible. Uh, you're talking about Calais Campbell, who's getting defensive player of the year, like clear-cut front runner right now. Uh, you're looking at guys like Marcus Cooper uh, in Chicago, and then you're also looking at um, a guy like DJ Swearinger, who's been elected a captain, has been a, a big leader and been getting keeping those turnovers going Washington. I think it's been interesting to see how the Cardinals have – not had enough cap space or cap room, they said, to keep a lot of those guys or any of them for that chance. I mean, they lost five defensive starters. But when they leave the team and seem to be performing at a higher level elsewhere, there's just kind of a lot of questions that pop up when people keep looking at the coaching or maybe look at you misevaluated some of the talent. Do you think that's a little bit of both, John, or do you think that there's a little bit more of one bench or the other there? You know, I think it's a little bit of both. And I think that, you know, with all – franchises that have success and the Cardinals went through a period where they had, you know, a fair amount of success and were in the upper echelon of, you know, quality teams in the NFL from 2013 to 2015. Um, they were one of the winningest franchises in the league. Now it didn't reflect in championships, but you know, I remember reading articles either going into that season or during the 2015 season that, that, you know, legitimate, people in the industry believe that the Cardinals had the best roster in the entire league. Um, that didn't mean that, you know, moving forward that it wouldn't become old quickly, which is what we've seen. But at the same time, you can't keep everybody and you have to identify, you know, certain individuals who you believe can be cornerstones on your team. Um, and, 
you know, quite frankly, the, the whole situation with Calais Campbell, I didn't think anybody knew that or saw that this coming at all. Um, so it begs the question, was he just, was he playing out of scheme? You know, they run a four, three in Jacksonville. Was he playing out of scheme since 2008, since we drafted him? Was he not really a five technique or was he really a, a rush end def- defender that, that has, you know, been an underrated pass rusher all these years? Um, was he playing out of position? Uh, you remember that 2015 season when Arians would, it, it seemed like every other week would call out Calais Campbell for having minimal impact on the football game. Here we are in 2017 and he's got 11 sacks uh, through, you know, 10 games this season, 10, 11 games this season. I mean, it's, he, it's incredible. That Jacksonville defense is on pace to break the sack record. And he is, you know, the big piece that, of, of the puzzle that they had been missing for so long. Uh, they had drafted, you know, Fowler and a lot of these high, you know, caliber players that they had taken just, just hadn't panned out. And here you are, you're getting Calais Campbell. They're thinking, okay, maybe he's going to play, you know, the three technique, um, defensive tackle but they they said nope it's six eight 300 pounds we're going to try him at rush end and he has just been phenomenal for him I think a lot of Cardinal fans most I, I would say are happy for Calais he's 31 years old he's going to get a chance to play on a, hopefully a playoff team for, for Jacksonville that's a franchise that has a lot of similarities to Arizona in the sense that you know they're not an expand the Cardinals aren't an expansion franchise but sometimes it feels like that based on the lack of attention that they get nationally so uh, the Calais situation with the amount of money he was getting, he was by far the highest, you know, paid free agent. I think it, I think it really at the end of the day, does he, does he make the Cardinals a playoff team? Maybe, but at the same time, 32, 33, 34 years old, the next couple of years, uh, he probably would be wasting away on an Arizona team that, that may not be competitive in terms of the playoffs for a couple more years as they reshape the roster. So I, I as difficult as it would be to see him win, uh, defensive player of the year from, you know, Cardinal perspective, from a fan perspective, I'm happy for him. And uh, I, you know, it's hard to say if it was the right move or not, but at the same time, I can understand it. Now with somebody like Tony Jefferson, who, you know, is 25 years old that you found as an undrafted guy, that was one of the, you know, the key reasons that you had success over the last couple of years and, and was a vocal guy in the locker room, had respect of, you know, veterans and rookies alike. Um, that one was a little bit more difficult to sell for a lot of fans. Um, and, you know, he's a guy who's kind of been doubted his entire life. He's only 5'11", 215 pounds, um, wasn't drafted again, like I said. I think it was an All-American in Oklahoma. And I thought it was kind of Steve Kimes' mantra when he took the GM job that he wanted to build this roster kind of like New England's roster in the sense that a lot of undrafted guys, gems that you would find, guys with chips on their shoulder. Um, you definitely got Tony Jefferson – at a, at a cheap price on that undrafted contract um, for as many years as we had him. Uh, but when it came time to reward him for what he's done and to hopefully pay him for the peak years of his career, they said no thanks. And uh, this year he's got 43 tackles. He's got two sacks. He's a fixture on a Baltimore defense that's been phenomenal. And uh, he's going to have a successful career, and I'm happy for Tony. But that, that to me, you know, you draft Buda Baker in the second round. You, you trade up for him. You give up resources to get him. Um, you know, that, that wasn't chump change. You gave up two fourth rounders, one last year and one this year to trade up for Buda Baker. You know, why not just pay Tony Jefferson and then use those assets in another area? It just, it didn't make sense to me at the time. And I think Buda is going to be a tremendous player for the Cardinals. Uh, he was one of the highest graded pro football focuses safeties this week. And again, he's somebody I think that has maybe a little bit of higher ceiling than Tony, but, but at the same time, the safety position to me, 
you know, if you find somebody like Tony that can implement, be implemented on your defense the way he had and, and became a fixture, um, I think that was unwise to, to not pay him. The Cardinals had the money to pay him. Uh, somebody else that is really flying under the radar for me, Blake, uh, of, of having just a sneaky good year, and we always knew the talent was there, was, was Alex Okafor. Oh, yeah. Alex Okafor coming out of Texas was a projected second-round pick. Uh, I believe fell to the fourth round due to off-the-field concerns. I think he was arrested at one point for uh, possession of marijuana. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's what ended up happening. Um, and so here he comes with the New Orleans Saints on a team that historically has been one of the worst defensive franchises in, in the past 10 years. He is starting for them on the biggest surprise in the league on a New Orleans Saints defense that really has them routed toward, you know, a playoff spot. And, you know, the resurgence of the run game has been incredible, but he's got four and a half sacks. He's on pace for, you know, eight or nine sacks on a, uh, you know, a fairly cheap, I believe, one or two year deal with, with New Orleans. He's 26 years old. Um, he always had the physical traits, but if you remember the incident during, you know, the postseason where, you know, he ended up hurting himself in, I believe, a pool incident or, or something to that effect. You know, he just – Here's a dumb got, incident. Yeah, very, very, yeah, very unfortunate and got into the wrong with the coaching staff. And so um, he's somebody who, you know, maybe the Cardinals didn't need when they have Marcus Gold, when you have Chandler Jones. But, you know, I expect them to get a quality, you know, compensatory pick for Alex, and I'm, I'm happy to see he's doing well. But, you know, there's three guys I just t- – touchdown who could all be you know maybe not pro bowl candidates this year but certainly um if they're good enough to go and play on three of the best defenses in the league they were kind of deemed as expendable by the cardinals you know front office and uh here the cardinals are without marcus golden without robert kandichi producing and um having to go to buda baker and give up resources to draft yet another safety just you know you find it a little bit odd and you pay somebody like Jarvis Jones in the offseason, and then you cut him right before the, you know, the start of the regular season. Just, I, I love Steve Kime and the way he's built this roster, but he's had, quite frankly, a brutal offseason. Yeah, and that's been something that we've seen with the Cardinals that was kind of expected it would be brutal. But when you see the players leave and perform at a high level, higher than you were expecting, I think you totally have to agree with that. Uh, Alex Okafor is an interesting guy because he's he's a player that they moved on because when you talk about guys getting fresh starts, he was a guy who they kind of let the team down time and time again. He had the 2015 arrest, like you had said, and then you also had uh, the incident where the, this is like right before a playoff game where the team was going to take on the Panthers and he was out for the game with a foot injury. So that's part of one of the areas where I can understand the team wanting to move on, but when you decide to move on from players that are like that with talent, you have to basically replace them with guys who are going to be um, either just as talented or try to find guys who are going to be able to fill in that hole. And so far their their kind of plan A for that was bringing in Jarvis Jones from the Steelers. It was kind of another has been more of like had been considered washed up in a bust and he just got injured, never saw him in camp, never kind of heard from him again. Uh, they cut a guy like Cap Cappy in preseason who'd been promising. I believe he's either on the Falcons practice squad, might be on the active roster now. But it's just kind of some of those areas of when you're looking for young talent, it just doesn't seem like the Cardinals have been able to find young talent to replace it at a fast enough rate of which it's leaving. And that's been kind of the problem in the story of this offseason. You know, you talk about how when guys like DJ Humphreys get hurt, you got Wetzel behind him. But you drafted guys like Cole Toner, Dorian Johnson, and you even look at Lith, uh, with the year before with Evan Bame, right? they're just guys they've not been able to step up. I don't know whether it's a day three picks or if you're not able to find those diamonds in the rough, but 
it's just a concern for the Cardinals, at least, as far as where if you're going to let talented guys like this walk, you're going to have to keep bringing in talent. So far with the way that Reddick has played, you know, he played his best game against Seattle, as we talked about already. Uh, Buddha has so far looked like he's going to be uh, a guy who could be a stud in the league if he can hold on to some more of those interceptions. You might start talking about uh, second honey badger here, at least at best would be great. But I think it's something that you have to remember is um, that it isn't – it is hard – it's so hard to be able to find that balance at least of finding the guys who are talented and finding the coaches and the scheme and putting that all together and having that consistency. It's not like college where guys are leaving every year, but uh, it's just, it's difficult right now. Part of what you can look at the Cardinals with where they put Calais Campbell in that position that they did, where he didn't get a whole lot of sacks until last year and their scheme, the adjustments that they made uh, really, that was the the first time we'd seen Calais kind of in the, in the Arians, uh, guess the Aryan scheme really kind of take off and have a huge dominant season speaking of dominant seasons one thing I'd want to at least point out that I thought was interesting was I took a look at uh how Calais Campbell's been performing at least and he's got the 11 sacks right now I believe he leads the NFL uh he had four of those sacks came in the first game against this Texans offensive line which is a kind of interesting just because it's you know this is the Texans team we've talked about Deshaun Watson before his ACL was covering for them in a massive way and they've not been able to perform well since they even traded away their left tackle but what's interesting is that the other player who's kind of right behind him is Chandler Jones has 10 sacks on the season this year. He's only one behind Calais, and he's been getting about a sack a game or at least a, in some two-sack games. So we're talking about Calais pursuing or breaking the sack record. Chandler Jones has been more consistent and is just behind him. So it's kind of an area where you know you weren't going to keep everyone. The team elected to take the younger player, the guy with more upside. And to that record, at least, you got to tip your hat at least to Steve Kime for getting Chandler Jones locking up under market value. Maybe the timing of the sacks, you can argue you'd like to see some of them in clutch situations, but just for that level of production um, to be able to get him for probably at least 10 million less a year than he might've made in the open market. Uh, I at least think that's a, a good move. And that's something at least that's a positive to look forward for the team with that. They do at least have some guys locked up. They've got some young talent. Um, it is just going to come down, I think, to um, where they go in the future. Uh, talking a little bit about the Texans, this is, as we've talked about, you know, an East Coast game, an early game, an 11 a.m. game. You're starting your third-string quarterback. Uh, uh, I even was on the Texans, the Locked on Texans podcast this week, and we were discussing the team. They're saying, well, here, here's what the Texans have. We've got a team with a awful – with a backup quarterback who's been playing poorly without a run game, a poor offensive line, a defense that's been struggling in the secondary, a long snapper, they said, has been hurt. Their kicker missed several kicks that could have gotten the back in the game the other week. I was just looking back like the – I was just like, are you sure you're not describing our team right here? Are you sure this isn't the Arizona right? Yeah, It was just kind of crazy that we've gotten to this point with these two teams. And when your starting quarterback goes down, it's just teams have, and coaches have just not been able to – adjust it's this kind of strange paradigm the nfl where it's all dependent on the quarterback and that's interesting going into this game at least uh john what do you think about the the pairs the the kind of the, i guess you could say the gemini twins the cardinals and texans are walking into this game just having similar struggles and issues hey sports fans football season's here and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie my bookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. My bookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. My bookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event. 
even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Well, before I get into that, there is a, a sick side of me that wishes Deshaun Watson was playing in this game so no, he could no eat, question. So he no could eat the Cardinals alive and hopefully, you know, wake up everybody either on the coaching staff or the front office alike that, you know, his style of quarterbacking is the future in this league. And, you know, it was, again, we've talked about it at length, an egregious decision not to roll the dice and, and move up two spots to get him. But it's unfortunate he's injured. You know, I'm sure there's a part of this team and this, you know, front office that feels semi-justified in the fact that, you know, he may not hold up long-term. We hope so as a you know franchise quarterback, but we've seen how some of these slider guys that like to run have had their, you know, their careers cut short. You know, RG3 comes to mind. I think Deshaun's going to be far superior than, than him, but, you know, it would be great to see him, you know, play in this game and, and show the Cardinals exactly what they missed out on. Tom Savage is, is the complete opposite. I think that the Cardinals situation at quarterback is, is a little bit superior to, to what the Texans, yeah, the Texans are, are trotting out there. I mean, it gets to the point now where, you know, Bill O'Brien is labeled as a quarterback guru, but he was going to start Tom Savage. You know, he did to start the season and had to bench him, you know, after, you know, a terrible start against Jacksonville. Um, and now he's gone back to him and he looks even worse than before. I watched a fair amount of that Rams game last week. I mean, they can, they can run the ball a little bit with Lamar Miller, but man, oh man, anytime they have to go into passing downs, the check down isn't there. Um, he sails so many balls. He has absolutely no mobility. So some of the, the, the pros that you're getting with Stanton and Gabbert where they can move a little bit outside the pocket, they've got, you know, more experience in this league. Um, I'd, I'd like to think that the Cardinals, you know, skilled players are, you know, on par right now with the Texans just based on the fact that Will Fuller isn't going to play. So Hopkins and Fitzgerald, that might be a little bit of a wash. Um, and some of their, you know, second, third options at receiver aren't great. The Braxton Millers of the world haven't produced. Um, so, again, I, I think this is a game where the Cardinals – It's the, the spread right now is Houston by one, which means it's, it's essentially a pick game with the over-under at about 38. I, I think the Cardinals end up winning this game. Uh, I think Blaine's going to play surprisingly well. I think in the games that, you know, teams haven't seen a lot of tape on Blaine with the Arizona Cardinals, I can remember – two years ago when Chip Kelly rolled out Blaine Gabbard on Monday Night Football and he destroyed, uh, I believe it was the Minnesota Vikings and looked phenomenal in the process. Um, you know, I, I think we could have a similar performance. I really do. I think that Blaine could come out and throw a couple touchdowns and I think he's going to move the offense effectively uh, against the Houston team that right now is completely shot. You know, you lose your defensive leader and, and um, savior in J.J. Watt. And then a couple of weeks later, you lose your, you know, your franchise quarterback in the making, Deshaun Watson. I think at this point, they're just trying to get through the rest of the season. They're three and six. They know the division was winnable and attainable if they had stayed healthy. Um, that sounds eerily familiar with the Cardinals, but at the same time, um, they they are uh, do mirror each other in that sense. The Cardinals' defense finally showed up last week against Seattle, uh, minus a couple laps. Uh, I hope that continues this week. 
Um, again, a win here pushes their draft stock down, but at the end of the day, if it means that Blaine Gabbert plays well enough to maybe he can get a contract extension moving into next year, I think that trumps, you know, a couple draft slots and at least you have a little bit of stability at that position and the most important position uh, in football. And who knows, you know, I was posed the question the other day, Blaine Gabbert plays well enough and um, the Cardinals finish the season respectively. And I know that's a long way out, um, but would that give a couple, you know, second thoughts to Larry Fitzgerald saying maybe if he develops a rapport with Blaine over the final seven games of the season, maybe he comes back for one more season, uh, whether that be with Blaine as a starter or a rookie. I, I think that's something interesting to watch. I know that, you know, Larry isn't saying anything right now and, you know, they just aired his you know football life on the NFL network that usually deems that, you know, retirement isn't too far away, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Blaine plays well enough to, to get Larry, maybe at least thinking about, coming back next year. I know that might sound crazy to say, but just kind of an, I'm looking for plot points as the season progresses here and the Cardinals clearly don't, you know, have the means of a playoff team right now. Um, anytime you can get a jolt from a quarterback who maybe other teams thought were, you know, dismissive of, uh, I think Blaine's going to play with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And I think Houston to me, this Houston team is the perfect team to, to get his, you know, tenure started with the Cardinals, whether it be for seven games or, or for the next couple of seasons. So, I'm anxious to see how he does. I think Adrian Peterson's going to perform better. Uh, I think that he was really hurt by the fact that, you know, he's a 32-year-old running back. He's played, you know, he's had probably 50, 60 carries in the span of five or six days last week. Uh, he's had essentially a mini buy off now, and their run defense did not look good last week against Todd Gurley. So uh, this is an opportunity for the Cardinals. As crazy as it sounds, like you said, Blake, get back to 500 against a Houston team right now that really doesn't have anything to play for. Yeah, no, it's a, it's definitely something that's got – the game now has more intrigue than going going in. You'd think that the Cardinals would be kind of uh, more of just kind of looking for just trying to get through, maybe just trying to win, see if they could get to like an 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven season behind Stanton and kind of like some of these maybe questions about Palmer coming back. Um, I think what will be interesting to see is if Gabbert does go out there and does actually end up performing at a higher level than expected perhaps you start looking at if David Johnson's going to come back seeing what some of the things you might look for in the offense uh, I think it's really just hard for me it's hard just to trust a third string quarterback this is an offense that um in whatever case even though I think that Gabbert should be far and away better than the majority of third string quarterbacks that are in the NFL this is a guy who's had a, a I believe it's like 45 plus 50 starts uh, he's got more experience. He was being able to light it up against second and third stringers, which was expected. But you at least are hoping that you'll get something more out of him for the future. I think that the Cardinals, if they do see something out of Gabbert the rest of the way, this is a great opportunity to test it on before the old Jacksonville Jaguars come to town at least next week. It is at home, so that'll at least be nice. But um, that, perhaps this is kind of one of those games where it's the first kind of step of doing some exploring. I mean, this is going to be all part of some of the journey that the Cardinals will get to go through for the rest of the year of just seeing what they've got because this is a team that's not going to be able to come out next year with Palmer, with Fitzgerald, with getting a bunch of 35 plus year old vets and being able to try to go out and make the playoffs. This is a team that knows now, I think, with this Gabbert move that they're going to be entering a time of rebuilding. They're going to be entering a time of moving and looking toward the 2018, 2019 rather than looking, uh, uh, I'll still be keep looking at this next couple of week, but one thing I wanted to touch on that I thought was interesting because it's just something that fits in so well with what we've been talking about here on the podcast is that Emory Hunt uh, on Twitter, he's at football game plan. 
F-ball game plan. He had a great statement where he talked about how the NFL is primarily a short to intermediate passing league. The reason why is because the defenses are getting better. The pressure is quicker, so you don't have the time to work deep often. So that way it's reason why it's then best to find a quarterback who can extend plays, escape, and excel in the intermediate zone. And I think that's exactly what we've, we've talked about on this podcast. We've talked about needing to find a mobile quarterback, a guy who's athletic enough to be able to escape and extend and look deep. We've talked about how Bruce is just loving to have the large five and seven step drop backs, loving these long developing routes, chucking the ball deep. It's just an area where it's not working in the NFL because guys are just falling back and getting hurt more often. And when you got a 38 year old quarterback, it's kind of like you, you just can't, it, it just doesn't make logical sense. And yet Bruce has been kind of stubborn where he went through it anyway. You did see success with Palmer with passing yards. You did get to see at least that they were able to scrape some wins together. But I think this is all summing up of what we try to talk about as far as the Cardinals are looking for uh, youth of the position. It starts with mobility. And I think some of that mobility does mean that the more mobile Blaine Gabbert is going to start with him. I think it'll end up hopefully leading toward a, a high pick in the quarterback position in April. Well, John, uh, we're going to wrap it up for tonight. Before we head out, I'd like to see if we can get some game predictions. Uh, what do you have going on? Who you got winning? And it got a final score prediction. Yeah, I think the Cardinals are going to win this one. Uh, I think they're going to continue their trend of playing, you know, pretty solid defense over the last couple weeks. Um, and I think that they're going to score just enough points to uh, get this W. I think it's going to look a lot like the San Francisco game where they can have an opportunity to come out and, get an early lead on a team right now with minimal confidence. I think the Cardinals, especially offensively, are going to be re-energized with Blaine under center. As, as crazy of a sentence as that to utter in 2017, with Tom Savage, I, I think the Houston Texans are a defeated team even before they, they step on the field. Um, could the Cardinals lose this game? Absolutely. We've seen them beat themselves in many different ways, specifically their special teams. But I think the Cardinals end up sneaking this one out, uh, let's say 21-10, against the Houston team right now that is um, essentially going nowhere fast in 2017. Yeah, I think that's a pretty similar score to my head. I had, I believe it was like 22 to, uh, I had 22 to nine was kind of what I was thinking. The big thing I think is going to be dependent on if the Cardinals team are able to rally around Blaine Gabbert, where it's not just the defense, but you're able to see the receivers don't have the drops that they had last week. Uh, if you're able to see maybe Fitzgerald's probably going to be in due in line for a big game against a, a struggling Texan secondary. The offensive line's able to get a bit of time, or if especially Gabbert's able to run like how Drew Stanton hasn't been able to. I think that the Cardinals, you'd say, would be the better team coming in. But the biggest thing that's kind of is a concern, this is kind of where you'd, you'd assume the Cardinals would win. Your hope is that it's not a trap game where the team overlooks Tom Savage. Maybe the, they make a couple adjustments. I know Braxton Miller has actually been talked about as far as coming into the game. And we talked about how the Cardinals have struggled with mobile quarterbacks and defending them in the past. So if we do end up seeing a couple of maybe trick plays or if Miller ends up actually getting some extended time of being able to throw and run the football, that would be kind of the one area you'd want to hope that the team just doesn't go in with a slump going into, the, going into another uh, East Coast game. They, they just have not won going East since 2015. And – that's the only concern, at least. I think that the team still is able to put it together just because I think that I'd trust um, just the way they played defense last week, the way the Texans have been reeling. Uh, even though it's at home, I think that if the Cardinals are able to get off to a fast start quick and able to kind of put up some points on the board, I think the game is theirs. If it's slow and it goes back and forth, you end up seeing kind of this 3-3, three, three, 
maybe a missed field goal if you have a botch punt. And that's where I think the game could get away from them quickly. And you, what you don't want is Blaine Gabbert to drop back 40 times in his first game and have to throw the ball um, just a ton and take a whole lot of hits. That's the one thing you don't want to have happen in this game. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to at least see something good. We'll be talking about a Cardinals win coming in next week. Uh, John, tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter. I am at Johnny's Football, so that's J-O-H-N-N-Y-S Football. Uh, no uh, numbers in there, but yeah, at Johnny's Football, give me a follow and continue listening to the Bird Game Blitz. Absolutely. Make sure that you do like and subscribe. We are on iTunes. We also boot post to Revenge of the Birds every single week. Uh, every time the podcast is up, uh, you can listen to past episodes there. We'll be having a lot more great content coming up and doing some good uh, breakdown of the Blaine train. Uh, thank you again for joining us, guys. You have a good night. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Pros in the know start with Lowe's, because at Lowe's, pros save big on the supplies they use most. Right now, save even more on select concrete mix, now 30% off when you buy in bulk. Plus, save 5% on eligible purchases every day when you use your Lowe's business credit account. Stop by or visit Lowe'sForPros.com for details. So, pro, now that you know, start with Lowe's. Minimum purchase required. Selection varies by location. Credit offer subject to credit approval. Can't be combined with other credit offers. Exclusions apply. U.S. only. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.